0: College admissions and transitions can be overwhelming. SATs, AP classes, resumes, financial aid, and the list goes on. We as parents and counselors are here to help our teenagers make sense of it all and empower them to make good decisions. If you want to see your child succeed in that transition, which we all do, it comes down to helping them accept who they are. That's why we created Self-Accepted, guiding families through college admissions and big transitions. This bi-monthly podcast will answer the questions that we hear parents asking all the time. So you'll be prepared to send your child into their bright future. Hi, I'm Dr. Beth Denard. My students and their families call me Yoda Beth. Not because I've trained Jedi for 800 years, but something pretty close. For the last 40 years, I've helped families prepare and transition their students successfully into adulthood. A pretty comparable feat, don't you agree? I'm the owner and director of Bright Futures Consulting, a U.S. Air Force veteran, former college admissions counselor, mentor, mom, and grandmother. I'm excited to share what I know with you, both from my formal education and the School of Hard Knocks. I want to lead you away from misleading information and the college frenzy and closer to having answers that move your teenager forward towards their bright future. Let's get into it. Howdy. Dr. Beth Dinard here today. I'm joined by Lauren Jefferson, co-founder and CEO of Focus Copy, a fellow mentor at the Wolf Center for Entrepreneurship at the University of Houston. And she's a key partner of Bright Futures Marketing. Thanks for being here, Lauren.
1: Thanks, Beth. Happy to join you this morning and being on the other side
0: of the podcast. So in this episode, we're talking about finding yourself through conversation, or in other words, an informational interview. We're gonna also talk about what an informational interview is and why it's so important for students to do this before they decide on a career path. We're also going to talk about the eight questions that students need to ask during an informational interview. Well, when I was young, I wanted to work in the field of dentistry, or at least that's what I thought I wanted to do. You see, one of my adult cousins was a dental hygienist. She was single, beautiful, had modeled professionally, and she was very successful. So as a child, I saw, I saw that, and I wanted that lifestyle. Another strong influencer for me was my pediatric dentist, Dr. Downey. He was kind. He was gentle. He had great kids who were my friends, and they were my age. In his office, he also had this gigantic treasure chest, and we got to choose a toy after we saw him. So I just loved that treasure chest, and I thought, this is so cool. Also, my dad and my grandfather were in the medical profession, so dentistry just made a lot of sense for me. Well, why I didn't interview either of these professionals or anyone else in dentistry before diving into researching educational requirements is, is a mystery. I don't know why I didn't do that, but I didn't know that I could really impose myself on busy professionals. I felt intimidated. I didn't want to take their time to learn about the actual job, but that's exactly what I should have done. Most professionals have a mentor or mentors along the way and are usually so happy to spend some time with a bright young person who is eager to learn the degrees, the requirements, the workplace, and the demands before they launch into a a very long educational pathway. So an informational interview is when you reach out to a professional that is already working in an industry you want to pursue to ask them for some information about what it's like. Remember I said you're asking for information you're not asking them for a job, and there's a huge difference. So when I was stationed at Charleston Air Force Base, I was in the Air Force. I was an officer, and at that time was contemplating leaving active duty and to rejoin civilian life. And this is why I was doing it. I wanted to pursue my dream of a career in dentistry. Well, at that time, I had matured, and I would realized that I probably needed to talk to a dentist if I really wanted to be one. So I found a dentist in Charleston, and I scheduled a meeting with him. Well, this is where my memory is so vivid. I drove downtown Charleston, put change in the parking meter, and I walked into the dental clinic. The minute I stepped into his clinic, I instantly knew that I did not want to become a dentist. The dentist was very kind and generous with his time. And, you know, I allowed him to tell me about his career, and he was very welcoming. But I had already decided that I was turned off to dentistry before he said a single word. I stayed and I listened to the dentist and respected his time to learn what he had to say. However, I knew that's not what I wanted to do. I'm so thankful I decided to do that informational interview because I realized that wasn't the kind of environment or the type of work that I really needed to do or that would make me happy. Lauren, what did you dream of doing when you were younger?
1: Growing up, I wanted to be a professional dancer. And I actually talked with one of my dance teachers about what a job as a professional dancer would actually look like. Um, I knew I'd love dancing, but how would I actually get paid from it? So her dancing career only lasted a couple of years before her body couldn't hold her up as a professional dancer. And she resorted to teaching dance classes at three different studios to make ends meet. Hmm. Now, I didn't want an end... Uh, start a career that would end so dramatically or so quickly. And so that just wasn't something that was something I wanted to go after. So that closed the door very, very quickly. (laughs)
0: Hmm. Well, obviously, informational interviewing was an important part of both of our pathways to our current careers. These casual interviews are vital because they can give you answers you need to decide either, yes, this is the career I can see myself loving, or no, this is absolutely not right for me. And either outcome, yes or no, is, is going to guide you to the next step of your life. So even if you find you don't like a job, which turned out for you and turned out for me, it closed that door and opened another door. Mm-hmm. Either way, you're getting valuable and free information that you wouldn't have had on your own. The main goal of informational interviews is to get current, thorough, and personal information from a person who's already doing your dream job. This will help you figure out what you want to do. And what type of environment you want to work in. Both of these are critical because sometimes what we imagine a job to be isn't always the reality. So when you talk to a professional in an informational interview you'll get to learn what it's really like to do the job instead of what you imagine or you fantasize it to be or what the media paints it to be. You know teens might see forensic scientists on their favorite TV shows and decide they want to become one. What the TV show doesn't tell them is how small of an occupation forensic science is. So when it comes time to apply for jobs, the competition will be really steep, and it might be difficult to find a position after graduation, after all that difficult education, too. So plenty of TV movies and shows portray psychologists giving therapy to clients that are lounging on couches in stuffy offices. But the reality is lots of psychologists actually work in research labs, rather than in the clinical setting with people. And they spend most of their day running experiments with lab rats, crunching numbers and writing. If you don't like these, you'll be really unhappy in that job. So having a conversation and even shadowing someone who's working in the field can give students a more realistic expectation of the path to a certain career and what it will actually be like when they get there. So was marketing what you expected it to be initially, Lauren, and if not, how did you adjust to the changes?
1: Well, Beth, it is absolutely different from what I expected. (laughs) When I first started, I imagined cute outfits, fancy graphics, presentations to executive and glamour. You know, looking at what the TV had portrayed, that's what marketing equated. But what I didn't expect was analytics and data that goes behind marketing, and I'm a big data nerd, that's my yellow coming out, my Berkman yellow coming out. I also didn't realize that copy is what either makes or breaks most marketing campaigns. Mm-hmm. It isn't the actual, you know, delivery of it or where it's located. It's the copy. And so after I made one of, that, one of those realizations during one of my internships, I spent 80% of my time focusing on the copywriting. And I ended up creating my own job, combining both data analytics and copywriting into a strong communication strategy for my clients.
0: Wow. That's so great that you learned that along the way, and you got paid to learn that, actually. So if you go into a job blindly expecting one thing and you end up getting something else, you're setting yourself up for some major stress that can really take a toll on your quality of life and perhaps even your future health. Um, I once knew a student from Bauer College of Business at the University of Houston. was She was in the top of her class. And when she graduated, she landed a fantastic job at Shell. She actually got the corner office. And it was exactly what she wanted and what she had worked so hard for. Or what she thought she wanted. Uh, she came to me soon after being hired by Shell because she was so unhappy. And she was so shocked that she was so unhappy. She told me, I'm working for Godzilla. And I, I just never expected my boss would be so horrible. Well, no one should have to work like that. And even though she knew she would love the career path she chose, it was the work environment, specifically her boss, that made her life so miserable. Informational interviews are great not just for getting to know details about certain careers, but also to get a glimpse inside a specific company's culture and the people. Ultimately, she stayed with Shell, which is a great company, but she shifted positions to work for another manager. Oftentimes, younger people are so worried about just getting that first job and paying the bills that they focus on, you know, making themselves desirable for the employer and not really evaluating the workplace or how it's going to make them happy or how it's going to work for them. They don't consider if it's a good fit for them. They're they're really thinking, want me, want me, take me, take me, hire me, hire me, but they're not thinking, is this really the best place for me to work? So, Lauren, have you ever done an informational interview that really helped you decide what kind of work setting was best for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I had a mentor that told me in college that there was two paths to marketing. You could either work for a company or you could go the agency side and be basically pigeonholed into a specific medium within the marketing suite. And so I interviewed a VP of sales at a pretty reputable marketing agency in Houston, And like you, I almost immediately knew that wasn't the place. As soon as I walked into the office, you could feel the competitive, almost toxic energy between the team members. They were constantly edging against each other to see who could be the best team member on the team. And while that's sometimes good, it felt it crossed the line a little bit. And I didn't want to be in an environment where you're constantly watching your back and making sure that nobody's stabbing you.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think marketing looks like it would be this sort of pristine, uh, smooth, uh, camaraderie environment. And, And many times it can be in the right agency or with the right environment that you create. Like with Focus Copies culture, it's very collaborative. And that's what I love about working with you. But, you know, some agencies sort of have that predatory, competitive, toxic environment, which for some people, they're, they're into that. They want to compete. They get up every morning, they, they eat their breakfast, and they're charging out the door to compete and to win. And so if that's what you want, then that would have been a great setting for someone other than you. Um, so it's really important for students to do this because it will mean so much for their social, emotional, mental, and physical well-being. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that 70% of adults say stress in the workplace impacts their personal relationships. It can also make some people turn to substance use to cope. So 20% of adults report smoking and consuming more alcohol because of job-related stress. And 11% of men report using illicit drugs to cope. Wow, those statistics just alarm me. And they're all based on having a poor fit in the workplace. You don't want to live your life stressed because of your work environment. So much of our lives are spent at work. In fact, over 80,000 hours or three to 8% of our lives, assuming we live until 80, spent working. So do your research before committing to working anywhere. An informational interview can be so insightful and efficient. Plus, it gives you peace of mind and confidence that you're doing the right thing in the right direction. It can also help you dodge a bullet or strike gold. Speaking of saving time, another reason why informational interviews are so important is because they can help you discover strategic ways to get into the career you want. One of my favorite clients was this kid that no one liked. I mean, his class of seniors, they didn't like him, and they'd been in school with him for years and years. It was a private school, and so a lot of the kids had been in pre-K together, and this was the case with him. They just didn't like him. But he was was a great student. He was um, attractive. He was hardworking, had a great faith. And um, fortunately, this young man had enough self-confidence to not let his peers' disapproval get in the way of becoming successful. Well, he's now a dentist living in Colorado with four children. And in high school, uh, he asked me, and I thought this was such an advanced question for a high school senior. He asked me, Would it be a smart thing to go over to the University of Texas Dental School in Houston to learn what he needed to do in college to be an undeniable applicant? So imagine the wisdom and foresight he had as a high school student. He wanted to figure out how to be the most amazing applicant for dental school four years ahead of when most students are even thinking about professional school applications. So when he was in high school, he went over and talked to the admissions professionals at the University of Texas Dental School. And they gave him some great advice. He found out so many insider ways to set himself ahead of other applicants, including that he could apply for dental school after only three years of college. He didn't even have to have a bachelor's degree. So, he did. And he applied after three years of college. And as a result, he was able to become a dentist a year earlier than others his age. So he also saved a full year of college tuition, the undergraduate tuition. So without that conversation with the admissions people at the UT Dental School, he would not have known so many things that saved time and money.
1: I couldn't relate to the story more, (laughs) Dr. Denard. When I was finishing my degree in entrepreneurship at the Wolf Center for Entrepreneurship, I had this crisis moment because I knew I was going into marketing at that point in time. But I had this crisis moment where I didn't know if I needed to get another major in marketing. Um, essentially adding a whole nother year of tuition (laughs) onto Mm -hmm. my um, degree. And one of my mentors just told me that, just finish your degree and start doing it. Um, And that was the Mm -hmm. best piece of advice I could have gotten at that point. And so I finished my bachelor's in three and a half years. And since then, no one's ever asked me if I majored in marketing. It just assumed because I know how to do it now.
0: Wow, that's a great story. So now you understand how valuable informational interviews can be and also having mentors because mentors along the way are the people that we're having the informational interviews with and they can become touchstones and sort of help direct our future choices as well. We can reach back to those people later on and one day you might even ask them for a job if that's appropriate but it's mostly just to get current relevant information that's targeted just for you. So I want you all to have the eight questions that you need to ask during an informational interview. We'll talk about why you need to ask these questions, then I'll mock interview Lauren. So first, ask the person you're interviewing to describe a typical day for them to see if you could imagine yourself succeeding in that kind of situation. You need to know what you want your life to look like. Are you a people person who needs lots of time to interact with others every day? Do you like collaboration and working with a team regularly? Or would you rather be left alone for most of the day to do your own thing with only the occasional check-ins? Also, think about what kind of work structure you would thrive in. Do you like a well-structured day, a typical 9 to 5? Or would you rather make your own hours and have a flexible schedule? Will your career require you to wake up at the crack of dawn? If you're not a morning person, it's important for you to know what's coming. So Lauren, what's a typical work day like for you?
1: Well, naturally, my energy peaks in the morning. I'm a morning (laughs) early bird. Um, So I am my least productive in the afternoon. And so every job, thankfully, since I graduated has been remote. And that's been really, really helpful for the way that I operate. Um, And so all of my bosses prior to me being my own boss have just said, set your own hours. I don't care if you work at three in the morning <laughs> or if you work at eight in the morning, just get the work done. So I've been really thankful to have that type of environment. So a typical day, I wake up at 5 a.m. every single day, do a Bible study uh, and drink my coffee and get all that done by 530 or so. And then I'm starting working by 6 a.m. every wow. single morning. Mm-hmm. And so I get at least two to three hours of uninterrupted hours where I can write, do my work, respond to emails, and that's when I'm most creative. And then I try to schedule client meetings in the morning because I already have those relationships established. As an introvert, as a Berkman Blue, I want to make sure I'm conserving my energy. And then in the afternoon, I try to schedule all my sales calls or all my relationship building where it's relationships that I don't already have established. And, you know, I'll add some admin work in there as well. Um, or I take a break and run some errands. So I keep it really, really flexible in the afternoon because I know that's my least productive time. And then in the evening, I'm editing. <laughs> mm. Editing, proofreading, maybe doing a little bit of writing, but I kind of take setback, shut off all communications, and I'm able to be creative in the evening. So that's kind of how my typical workday works. <laughs> it's very mm. flexible. And especially with, you know, the way this pandemic has pushed a lot of companies to go remote, it's a lot easier to operate your own hours and mm. to set your own schedule that works for you as an individual.
0: Yes, a lot of students are trying to figure this out. And a lot of parents who are working from home, whole families are working from home mm-hmm. these days. And so I noticed a lot of workstations that are for sale now or people are, you know, re- redoing rooms to organize them into workstations, which works really well when you have to work from home. So, you know, after you've asked the person you're interviewing to describe a typical workday, like I just asked Lauren, you ask the professional you're interviewing, what do they love about that workday? And for that matter, also ask what they really don't look forward to. Knowing those two extremes will help you walk into a, into a profession with eyes wide open And, you know, you might love what they hate and hate what they love. So whatever, it's just that you're trying to find out those extremes. So, Lauren, what do you love about your work day?
1: Well, the number one thing and why I went into entrepreneurship in in the first place was I love the variety of my days. Mm. Even though I have a set schedule, like we just talked about, that I know that my brain works better or most efficiently. I still like no day looks the same at Mm. all. Um, And I'm always working with different projects. I never feel settled for too long. Um, And yes, I have that rhythm and the process and my day scheduled out, but the actual work is different every single day. And that's what I absolutely love about it. Um, and then, you know, another thing, a little cherry on top, is I love when I get it right with my clients, and they give me a yes, that's exactly what I was thinking, that was exactly what I was hoping for, and that feedback just fills my soul, fills my bucket, <laughs> and I'm able to go on to the next project.
0: So you really are a professional dancer.
1: <laughs> in, a, in a sort, yeah. <laughs> in a sort, you know, um, and we'll get on to this later in this episode, but, you know, dancing was not, I couldn't do it with just the way that my body was breaking down. And so this is kind of my own creativity um, Mm -hmm. playing out. But Mm -hmm. instead of dancing on a floor, my fingers are dancing across the keyboard.
0: Yes. And you have the the emotional connections and like you would with your audience and you have the rhythm that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really great to be a little open-minded when you go into these interviews. And, you know, it's also good to ask what do you not look forward to in your day? So what do you not look forward to, Lauren?
1: Well, as a, you know, I have multiple hats that I play. So as an entrepreneur, I definitely do not look forward to the accounting or the hiring or the big decisions that need to happen. Um, Because as I've said, Berkman Blue, (laughs) I want to take a lot of time. And sometimes those decisions need to be a little quicker Mm paced. And so that drains me. And so when you identify those things that drain your energy or don't give you joy, you outsource it. And that's exactly what I've done with those things that I don't like to do. (laughs) Mm. And then as a copywriter, obviously, you know, there's writer's block and that's something that I don't look forward to. And that's why I've actually built my schedule to help avoid the writer's block. And so if Mm. I work in the mornings and work in the evenings, I skip that nine times out of ten. Wow. Um, And so that's just something that you learn as you grow and as
0: you work and actually do the work. Hmm. Of course not everyone will like every single part of their work day. Every now and again we have to do something that can be boring or challenging. But either way the good should outweigh the bad for you to be truly worth it. So next you'll want to ask, how did you get where you are? So you want to know the steps to take. This question hints toward the time, expenses, the gates, the credentials and degrees to reach a particular profession. So, Lauren, how did you get to where you are?
1: (laughs) So, like I kind of hinted, you know, I didn't have a straight path. And a lot of professionals and, you know, my mentors and the people that I did informational interviews never had straight paths. And so I Mm -hmm. started at the University of Houston wanting to start my own company, um, a fitness company, in fact, because that was really big. I knew professional dancing wasn't going to happen. And so the next step was to be in fitness. And so I became a group fitness instructor at the Rec Center E of H, and I double majored in kinesiology and entrepreneurship. Like, I was full into starting a fitness company. And when I was accepted into the Wool Center for Entrepreneurship, which is a, you know, we talk a lot about this yeah, we do. <laughs> program on this episode just because we have that connection, both being mentors. But during the second semester, my health started rapidly declining. It got to a point where I couldn't walk without tape on my knees. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was overworking and not (laughs) taking care of myself. and So it got into a really toxic thing and, you know, went to millions of doctors (laughs) (laughs) um, just to try to figure out what was going on and why my back was freezing while I was teaching classes. And so it wasn't sustainable for me to stay in that space. And at the exact same time, one of my professors in the program, Jim Wilkinson, called me and was like, hey, I need a marketing intern. Can you come over and interview? And so I did just that. He hired me on the spot and I started working for his company. And so it was totally a God moment where he was able to provide a job for me to where I could <laughs> you know, have an income and I was able to leave that group fitness um, job mm. wow. that I had for two years at that point. And so he taught me everything I know about digital marketing. And he was a new digital marketer himself. <laughs> wow. And just learned everything on the job. And so, um, you know, whether it was from Jim or whether it was from digitalmarketer.com, which is a great resource for a lot of digital marketers, and then trial and error, I learned everything I know today. And after being an intern and over a dozen informational interviews <laughs> trying to find a job after graduation, Jim actually offered me a director of marketing at his company. Mm. And so it was a perfect fit. I was kind of hoping he would (laughs) secretly or not so secretly, but, um, that was just a total gone moment to where I got to continue what I had built over the past year or year and a half and continue to grow that in a greater way and have a bigger impact on not only the company, but our customers.
0: Yeah, and this is something I want to just say, uh, maybe just an off-record off comment about marketing, or if someone's listening who's thinking about marketing as a career, consistency and continuity is so important with marketing. And a lot of people think, oh, we'll have this one campaign, we'll get all these customers, and then we'll help the customers we get, and then we won't do marketing anymore. But the whole key to the work that we've done together with Focus Copy has been that consistency and that continuity. And I'm so glad that you got to see that fruit of your labor with Jim's company. And I know there's more coming (laughs) about that story. Um, So when you ask the question in your interview, you might be amazed at the winding path that some professionals take to end up where they are. Believe it or not, it's not always a straight line for everyone. And there are many times there were setbacks. And so it's how you respond to those setbacks like Lauren did when her body started failing her and then the God wink when Jim offered her the job and that, you know, she could have just been depressed and not taken the job and just been sad and, you know, disappointed for a very long time and not even seen the offer as a golden egg. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you did see that and you took it. Um, So understand that the road that you take might have lots of detours and sometimes there are bumps in the road. You want to avoid having some of those hardships if you can So hearing the kinds of roadblocks and obstacles that other people faced en route to their career can help you streamline your own process. So take advantage of opportunities that are available to you at every turn. So I know you have another episode of the story with Jim, and if you'd want to share it now, I think it'd be a good time to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, starting that director marketing role, I was working with him for about six months. And And that time got married to my husband, and um, it was June of 2017, and I got a call on a Friday morning, and Jim had unexpectedly passed away overnight. And so all of the sudden, like, this isn't something normal. This isn't something that you plan. And all of a sudden, my entire world, my entire job was flipped upside down. And within, you know, a couple days, I had to cut about $15,000 worth of expenses, including my salary. I went from full time to nine hours a month, which no one ever wants, (laughs) especially when you're still putting your husband through school. And so it was a kind of a wake call to figure out what is going to happen with the rest of my life. And Mm. I had a lot of people tell me to get a job, (laughs) to go searching, and I refused It was this like roadblock where it's like, no, I just lost my professor. I just lost my friend. I just lost my mentor for the past three or two years at that point. And so I held on to the company and held it afloat for five months um and it was draining. It was exhausting, and I couldn't even tell any of our clients that were outside of our consulting clients that he had passed away, and so it was even, <laughs> it was difficult, and so thankfully within about five months, we had found a buyer. Hurricane Harvey nearly like threw off the entire acquisition, yeah. but we found a new buyer, and I was able to continue with this new buyer to continue Jim's legacy, and that was the biggest mm. learning lesson is how do I hold this company afloat? So that was my kind of entrepreneurship boot camp outside of Wolf Center. Mm. Um, and I helped reestablish a company, grow the company to where it is. And then within about a year and a half, it was my time to leave. And that's when I started Focus Copy and actually did what I set out to do at the very beginning of the internship. I wanted that to be my last job, and it absolutely was. And now Mm. we're here a year later, (laughs) and Focus Copy just turned one last month. And so it's been really, really neat to see how that story has progressed and how it's gotten to me where I'm meeting my goal.
0: Mm. So how do you think... Those hardships and overcoming those hardships helps you help your clients.
1: I think it just adds another layer of authenticity, especially in copywriting, especially in sales. You have to build that trust with your audience or with your clients. And so (laughs) I haven't come from a, you know, a sweet polished background. And that kind of makes me a little (laughs) able to get down and dirty and figure out Mm -hmm. how we can work with a a specific budget, no matter how small we can work with a, you know, a client that maybe isn't well polished. And that's honestly my favorite (laughs) (laughs) because we're able to do a lot more. And so it just brings this whole level of trust, and you know I freely share this just because this is how I got here. Mm -hmm. And God's done, even through the hardest hardship, God's brought me through Mm
0: -hmm. this
1: entire story.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and developed a lot of grit Mm -hmm. along the way. I mean, you probably already had a lot of grit as a dancer because that's a really hard, uh, it's a very hard uh, field to be in, fitness is as well. So all right, the next question to ask is, if you could have a do-over, what would you do differently? This is A really great this is probably my favorite question because it gets the person you're interviewing to really dream and think and get into their creative side. And without condemning themselves for maybe making, you know, choices along the way that they would have had a do-over, they get to be a bigger person and kind of go beyond that. So when you've been working for a while, you have the experience to look back and see what you could have done differently, and that can be super powerful. Of course, of course, we don't get two lifetimes. So you get to build off of this person's answer to your question about a do-over. If I could start all over in a different career field, I'd probably end up being a social worker. So in my time working with students and families, I've learned just how essential empathy is and also what a difference it makes in the world. On the other hand, I really love what I do. I like the practical side of helping students step through one phase of their lives into college or into a career. So if I had to do something differently in my life to still end up as the owner of Bright Futures Consulting, I would have started my business five years earlier than I did. I delayed it for so long, even though I knew it was my calling. And it was because I didn't understand business, and I didn't really have the support from my family, and I really didn't have the confidence at the time to build the dream that I had in my heart. It it does take a lot of courage to start a company from the ground up, as you and I have both done, and it takes time to build confidence, too. I just wish I had built my confidence up quicker or earlier so I could have started helping Bright Futures families sooner. How about you, Lauren? If you could have a do-over, even though you're really a lot younger than I am, what would you do differently?
1: Well... You know, looking back, and I've actually done a couple informational interviews with your students mm-hmm. in the past week or so, and I wouldn't change anything. Um, I'm really like, I still meet my goal. Doesn't matter how crazy it's been over the past couple of years, I'm still living the dream um, starting my company. I do kind of wish, <laughs> you know, after Jim had died that I would have gotten another job just to get that extra experience, especially from a more polished um, corporate job, so that I could know how a corporate environment looks, so I could build that on my own. I've never worked for corporate. <laughs> I've only worked for entrepreneur, entrepreneurial companies, and so mm. it's been kind of um, down and dirty, but I never got that piece to go after that. Mm. Um, and we were just talking before we started recording today, but after that first interview after Jim had died, I walked into the office and there's three executives sitting in front of me and I bawled. It was, you know, they had just asked me like, oh, why did you leave your last position? And so it was like, well, my boss died. (laughs) And the company is kind of sitting in my arms right now. And so it just kind of took this vulnerability. But then from there, we started the conversations and actually – the person that brought me into that job interview was like, "Well, why don't we buy the company?" And so, <laughs> it, it, I mean, there was a lot of crazy wow. stuff that happened in that period. But I mean, apart from that, I wouldn't do anything because I'm here yeah. helping support businesses like you, <laughs>
0: yeah, reach your goals. And you know, the emotional component of any interview is something that can surprise people. Like it surprised you when you mm-hmm. broke down in front of those three executives. And yet you still carried on and had a conversation that probably ended better than you thought it would. You didn't get the job, but maybe you really didn't want the job anyway. So, you know, if you're not an emotional person, you would not be a human, Lauren. So another perk for practicing or having mock interviews before the real deal is to kind of deal with the emotional side of having everything on the line, everything on the table during a conversation with people. And in your case, three executives. I mean, you were surrounded. Uh, You were cornered. So when you conduct your informational interview, it's it's casual. And you don't have to worry about that kind of emotion or that kind of stress interfering with your conversation. So keep in mind what lessons were learned and then avoid the most common mistakes. Uh, The interview process is so important these days, especially when jobs are scarce. So being able to shine in an interview is going to land you the job. Another question you should be sure to ask is what surprised the most about their field of work? So surprises are a mixed bag. Sometimes they can be a birthday party and other times they can be a flat tire. When it comes to your career, it's better to be prepared than blindsided. So use this opportunity as a chance to expect the unexpected. So Lauren, what surprised you the most about your field of work?
1: Well, (laughs) kind of talking about, you know, what we discussed earlier and like thinking it was all glamour and there's one size fits all. Marketing is a trial and error field. Mm. There's no one way to do it. Um, You could approach a particular client or particular problem um, a million different ways. And that's Mm. kind of the beauty of it and why I like it so much, Mm. um, because there's no one way. (laughs) Mm.
0: So a lot of creativity goes into it and a lot of brainstorming with your Mm. clients and a lot of listening. I'm sure a lot of listening for what maybe is not even being said. You have to be a very good listener which taps into your blue, your Berkman blue. So after hearing a lot of the trials and tribulations that it took for the professional you're interviewing to get where they are, you might be wondering if it's really worth it to pursue a certain career path after all. Uh, What makes a professional stick around in a certain field of work? This is another question you should ask in your informational interview. It could be that they find the work to be really important for society, even if they don't enjoy their day-to-day routine, On the other hand, some professionals might stay in their line of work because it brings them joy to do what they do. Uh, They might jump out of bed each morning excited to see their coworkers, eager to serve their customers and determined to solve problems. So Lauren, why have you stuck with your line of work?
1: Well, I absolutely love working with entrepreneurs and helping them grow their businesses. That has always been the goal from day one and marketing just helped me do that. And whether I'm wearing my copywriter hat or my marketer hat or my business owner hat, I'm always helping people build the lives that they want through their businesses. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I love so much about what I do.
0: Mm. Yeah, building lives is also what we do at Bright Futures. That makes a lot of sense. Even though I work on the education side and not the marketing side, I feel the same way. As you know, we use the Berkman And I think about the crash collision I had with the Charleston Dental Office, and I think about my high need for social service, and the Berkman illuminated that for me. So even though dentistry is a helping profession, it is highly technical and involves hands-on work as well as deep knowledge of sciences. So at the end of the day, I just wanted to make a human connection and make a difference and bypass the technical part. So what about your Berkman helped you connect the dots to your current career field?
1: Well, we also use the Berkman and Wolf Center, Um, and I am a blue and a yellow, and so my usual behavior needs are blue, so I needed a profession that required or didn't require me to be in front of people 100% of the time, and I also need that alone time to be creative, um, to use my hands, to use my brain in a very creative manner, but my interests lie in the yellow, and so mm. the marketing analytics is my sweet spot, you know, writing processes for doing what I do is something that just lights my fire mm. um, and being able to be more efficient with how I'm writing and how consistently I'm writing. So I combine these two needs and interests into what I've built, a process to deliver custom copy to my clients.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's a great articulate way of saying how the Berkman helped you. So parents, encourage your students to really think about what motivates them. There's no right or wrong answer here. It's just important that they be honest with themselves. What sorts of things keep them fulfilled enough to keep going? And to it would be a good idea to invest in a Berkman for your student, which will give them, sometimes it validates them for both the parents and the student. The Berkman just illuminates who the person is and what they need, And sometimes it's very different from what the parents thought or what they imagined for their child. So it's really good to have the data going forward. Just like you like data for Mm -hmm. marketing, I think Berkman provides that data uh, and that illumination for students to make the big decisions and the big choices.
1: Well, and it also provides the words or communications for what you actually Mm -hmm. need. That was the biggest thing that the Berkman helped me with was saying, hey, I need alone time because I'm in my stress zone right now and I need to get out of that stress zone so don't talk to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) let me you know sit in an office or sit in a closet or whatever for a little while decompress and then we can go after it
0: yeah that's good that you know that and you you ask for that from other people too so toward the end of your interview take a moment to ask directly for advice Uh, a lot of young people might be a bit intimidated to ask this kind of question but it's really important to do it after all the person you're interviewing was in your shoes once they probably remember what it was like to be the new kid on the block. Besides that, they might have more advice that's better for someone entering the disciplines now. So from the previous interview questions, you might have learned what it was like for them to enter the field. But things might have changed since then. So asking directly for advice, current advice, will ensure that you're getting the most applicable questions and answers that you can. So, Lauren, what advice would you give to me just starting as a copywriter?
1: To start... <laughs> <laughs> there's no formula for doing it there's no degree for copywriting you just have to start writing and start reading mm. um one of the things that a lot of copywriting certifications actually teach is to get a great piece of copy and handwrite out the ad copy and just repeat it 10 20 times until you get that methodology and actually how to write copy. (laughs)
0: Mm.
1: And so just start doing it. That's my biggest piece of advice.
0: So uh, opinions and advice are a lot like noses. Everyone has one, but getting perspective from one professional is incredibly valuable, but getting the perspectives of many professionals will really set you up for success. So before you wrap up the informational interview, ask about who else you should talk to about this kind of work, or if it's not this work specifically, it could be something related. So marketing, and copywriting are related. They're not the same thing. So before you wrap up the informational interview, make sure you ask for referrals or for other people's names and contact information so that you can follow up and have your next informational interview. So not only will it be great to hear another professional's experiences, but you'll also be starting to network in your potential future career. So Lauren, who else would you recommend that I talk to about copywriting?
1: I would absolutely recommend talking to other marketing professionals, um, even if they aren't copywriting, even if they hate writing. Um, <laughs> they can tell you how important writing is. And so if you're looking to be a copywriter, that will just further validate why being a copywriter is so important and so needed. Um, and that's how we build our niche in the market because no one likes writing and no one has time to write Mm. Um, and so just finding those people that work with copywriters if that's what you want to do go after those people
0: well thank you lauren for being part of today's conversation listeners lauren has been a part of self-accepted from the very beginning and it's been such a joy to have you on today's episode all right bright futures families that's it for today here's your homework for this week Reach out to friends, not necessarily family, to find a professional in your student's field of interest. Then, have your students be involved in arranging an informational interview. The family members, like I mentioned, they may not be the best uh, people for the informational interviews because let's say your student talks to Uncle Joe and Uncle Joe hates his job, or Uncle Joe tells him what the job is really like and the student realizes, I would not be happy doing that job. Well, Uncle Joe might be offended that he didn't just light a fire under Joey to do this job. So the family members might be offended if their favorite nephew or niece rejects their profession. Before the interview, have your student consider the kind of work and the work environment. Also, after the interview, have your student create a pros and cons list about the industry they they wanted to go into and what they've learned from the interview. And maybe even include a third column on their list for just interesting tidbits they've learned. And don't forget to remind them to, and don't forget to remind your student to send a handwritten thank you note. And in that note, you ask the person you interviewed for contact information. If they failed to give you the contacts for the next interview, you you ask them for that person's contacts. So it just keeps that contagion going. You have another interview, and then you write a thank you note. Then you remind them. Oh, remember you offered to introduce me to Susie Smith to talk about. Um, oil drilling or something. I don't know. But you know it's really good to just keep the interview process going until you land the specific requirements that you're interested in. And don't forget that you can also ask for shadowing opportunities. The informational interview is just a door opener. And then if you'd like to job shadow, I know these days when there's still some issues about the COVID-19 virus, But when things open up and you can actually shadow people in their workplace, it gives you so much tactile information. So I'll include all the homework and some resources for you to check out in our show notes at brightfuturesllc.com slash show notes. Talk to you next time. joining us this time on Self-Accepted, guiding families through college admissions and big transitions created by your college counseling experts at Bright Futures Consulting. You can find more resources or schedule a complimentary consultation with a Bright Futures expert today on the Bright Futures Consulting website. That address is brightfuturesllc.com consultation podcast if you like this month's podcast episode, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode. You're officially one step closer to helping your student accomplish their college dreams. Their future will thank you.